0: Amen. Amen. You may be seated this afternoon. Amen. How many know that God is good? Amen. God is good. And I want you to keep praying for these uh, individuals. You have prayer needs. Keep praying for those. You know, as, as believers, we learn one thing. God doesn't always answer in that moment, does he? But he comes through. As you reflect back in your lives, you can see where he stepped in and brought answers to your prayer requests. You know, it's not just like punching in 30 seconds on your microwave and get something like that. God doesn't operate like that. He takes His time, and when He does, He brings complete resolution and complete answers. Amen. Amen. Well, that was uh, that was just something that we need to keep praying. That, that's just on my heart today. We need to keep praying for those two needs, especially. Um, I love the worship this morning, I'm so proud of my daughters, they hate when I say, they absolutely hate when I say this, but I'm proud of them and I don't care if they hate it, Um, I've seen the growth in them and I just want to make sure they know that I am extremely proud of both Bianca and Raquel, amen, because God is good, amen, God is good, I need to put some water in here, my mouth is drying up. Lemon water. That's the trick to staying young right here. I'm telling you right now. Put lemon in your water. Amen. Well, how many, how many like October? How many, how many fall people here? Yeah, there's a few of you. You like fall? I love fall, but um, it's, it's uh, colder days, colder season. The days begun, begin to get shorter. The nights are longer. When you get to seven o'clock in the morning and or six o'clock in the morning and it's still dark outside you you still want to just stay in bed you know that kind of thing the the colors are changing and by the end of this month the colors the leaves will have been completely transformed in the vineyards i love to go through carneros area or down silverado trail and you can see the the color changes of our vineyards and uh, all the trees in this area beautiful beautiful time of the year But what I'm talking about when I mention that is I'm talking about change. Everybody say change. And I want to speak to you today on spiritual change. And we actually call it spiritual transformation. Say transformation with me. Have you been transformed? That's just the question. But have you been transformed? So I want to talk to you about that. And for the next few weeks, I want to speak to you on some individuals in the Word of God that were transformed. But I believe that the world that God has given us, examples in nature, how many know that nature reflects oftentimes spirituality? And I want to talk to you about the caterpillar, okay? And, and you've probably heard this many times before, but the natural world shows us and reflects on the spiritual world as well. But there's four phases that the caterpillar goes through Before it becomes a butterfly, let's remember this. A caterpillar was never meant to exist as a caterpillar forever. It's a metamorphosis that that it goes through, a transformation. It first starts off as an egg, and then it hatches. As believers, we have that born-again experience with the Holy Spirit of God. When you receive Christ as your Savior, you became born again in that moment. You're just an egg, a newborn. You just pop out. You don't know nothing about nothing. How many remember that? You have no idea where Genesis was or the book of the Philippines, right? You have no idea where any of that is. Then you become a caterpillar. The egg is born into a caterpillar. And what's the purpose of the caterpillar? It's only to eat, to feed, to grow. The caterpillar starts to grow, and it's to feed, We in the spiritual world, as newborns, babes in Christ, were to feed. Feed on what? Feed on the Word of God. You cannot grow if you don't feed. The Bible's there. I remember growing up, this isn't uh, a a knock against my parents, but we had a huge, thick Bible on the coffee table. It looked really pretty. Remember that Bible? I remember that because we'd always have to go like this to blow off all the dust. But I would look at the color pictures. I used to love looking at the color pictures. I had no idea what I was looking at, though. And it was a pretty Bible. Do you still have that at home? Oh, probably buried somewhere. But it was there. And, you know, my mom and dad, they weren't believers going to church at that time. But um, the whole point is that we as believers need to feed on the Word of God. It's available to us not only in a hardback book, but it's available available to us by sound by uh, there's so many ways we can listen to the word of god nowadays and then it transforms from an egg to a caterpillar then to what's known as the pupa the pupa is the stage where it begins to then develop arms legs antenna it's transforming it's changing and in the spiritual world we're born again, and as babes, we begin to feed, and we, as we begin to grow, we begin to change in the desires that we have. We no longer desire to do these things. We have a new purpose. We have a new set of desires. We begin to grow, because why? Because you're feeding on the Word of God, which is causing you to grow closer to Almighty God. Do you realize that the closer you draw to God, the less those things that used to bother you before bother you? You know, the things that bother you, bother you because you're not feeding enough on the Word of God. Feed on the Word of God, amen? And then it gives us the evidence or the desires, which leads to the evidence that you're a believer in Christ. The fruit of the Spirit that we often mention here. And then finally, it becomes a butterfly, beautiful butterfly i remember growing up we'd always see monarch butterflies i used to love the capture of the the orange ones and then the yellow beautiful butterflies in our area out here and its all posi- uh, or purpose is to exist as a beautiful beautiful butterfly and to reproduce that's why it was created just to reproduce and have more butterflies well guess how it works in the spiritual world you and i when we grow and we become the believer that God wants us to become, we're beautiful in his sight. Amen? The word of God says that you are beautiful in his sight. You're beloved. Amen? And it's also our purpose to produce, reproduce disciples, make more people like you, get them to understand the vision of Christ, get them to understand creating disciples of Christ, reproducing disciples, and at my job place we always say this is make another person just like you. You know, if you can make another person just like you, if if my uh brother's workplace, if Berenger's had another Reuben, man, they'd they'd have to start a fabrication business because they, they could knock it out. Uh, so if they had another one like Reuben, if they had another one like Anna in her workplace and so forth, God wants us to reproduce ourselves and that's our purpose. Now I won't get into the butterfly world of the males. After they reproduce, they die. That same day, they die. So it's not good to come back as a a male butterfly, amen? Okay. Well, enough of that. Because today, I want to take the next few moments to spend on the transformation of the life of Saul into Paul. I love the story. How many love the story of the transformation of Saul? So... I want to invite you to turn to Acts chapter 9, the book of Acts. Remember, Saul wasn't one of the original 12 disciples. He was not there when Jesus um, was teaching all his disciples, but he had heard about him. And so listen to this story. This is the conversion story of Saul, and we'll get more into his background. Starting in verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked them for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, so the way was what they called Christianity at the time, or believers. They called it the way. Whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a loud voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And verse 5, Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He replied, Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened up his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Amen. That's a great story of conversion. How many have had a Damascus Road experience? Probably not too many here. I wouldn't think anybody had an experience quite like Paul. But let me give you a little bit of background about about Saul, because his name was still Saul at this point. Saul of Tarsus. Tarsus was a city where he was known to be a tent maker, is what his profession was. But he was a child of the best upbringing, a student of the great um, Jewish teacher Gamaliel, He was a Roman citizen. He was trained in the best Jewish schools. He may have even been groomed to become a a priest, the chief priest. He was very well educated in the Jewish synagogue. He knew the law backwards and forwards. And only a few short years had passed from the time that Jesus had been crucified until Paul comes on the scene. And he's persecuting, he's actually searching for People that were believers that identified as Christ. In fact, if Paul was alive here today, if he knew of our church, he'd come looking for you and me. And that's what the devil does today. He comes searching for each of us. Amen. But that's why we put on the armor of God. So here what happens in another um, chapter, but Saul of Tarsus assisted in the murder of the first martyr of Christianity that we're aware of. And that was Stephen's murder where he was stoned. Stephen was one of the first, one of the early disciples, not an apostle, but he was one of the early disciples of Christ. And the Jewish uh, Pharisees at that time began to accuse him of certain things. And uh, basically the belief that Jesus was God. They were accusing him. That was blasphemy to the people at that time. So they... We're going to stone him. And Paul or Saul was there. I'm getting ahead of myself. Saul was actually there when he was stoned to death. That was the practice back then. They didn't put him on a and shoot him because they didn't have guns, but they stoned him to death. So he was stoned to death there. And after the death of, of Stephen, Saul became fanatical about destroying people that belonged to the way. Disciples, how many are thankful? It's not like that anymore here in in the United States where we live. Amen. That we don't have to face that persecution. But let me tell you, there may be a day coming. There may be a day coming where we have to face that as the end times get worse and worse. So Saul was was really he he launched a holy war against believers, against the way anybody that spoke about Jesus. He he was launching a war. And that's exactly what he was doing. He was entering homes, sending people to prison, even putting them to death. Saul, who later became Paul, the greatest of the apostles, murdered Christians, murdered believers. I want those words to sink in. Because sometimes some of you think, Lord, I failed you. No, you haven't. If you haven't been out there murdering and breaking into homes and doing the things that Saul was doing, let me tell you, you are not even close. Amen? So don't allow that, that uh, spirit to infiltrate your mind that you're not good enough or that God could never forgive you. Amen? And so Paul, or Saul, excuse me, he was, he was attaining notoriety. Everybody became aware of him. I remember... Um, a few times, well, no, I was going to share a story. <laughs> I better not go there. Uh, I had heard a testimony, and I don't have his permission to share this, so I won't go there. But how many know that when there's certain people you meet, you go on the other side of the street? You, if you know a person, you know, has a bad attitude or bad reputation, you go on the other side of the street because you don't want to mess with, with them, right? And that's kind of how Paul, Saul was. He had gained a notoriety. People feared him especially those that belong to the way. The scriptures, as I just read, Jesus, Jesus declared, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And what's interesting is Paul immediately thought, well, who is this? is this? Is this an angel? Could it be an angel? Could it be the devil? Well, it wasn't the devil. But Paul then s- simply said, Who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? Because he recognized it was the Lord speaking to him. And what blew his theology out of the water was when the voice came back and said, I am Jesus. You see, Paul was raised as a monotheistic Jew. Uh, You know, Deuteronomy 6 verse 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, which is what we believe, one Lord. And here Jesus says, I am the one you're persecuting. That just blew Saul out of the water. He goes, wait a minute. The Messiah that was crucified back then that we said, there's no way you could be Messiah. You could be the Son of God. You're now saying you are the Son of God? And that just destroyed him. All of a sudden, everything that, Paul, that Saul had been taught at that point just came crumbling. Imagine that. If everything you had been taught all your life, and in an instant, it just fell apart. Well, that's where Saul found himself when Jesus said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Saul probably began to tremble. The Bible tells us that when he opened his eyes, because he was, he was trembling at that moment like you and I would have been at that moment. And when he opened his eyes, everything was black. He had lost his vision, the Bible says. For three days he was blind. For three days, the Bible says he didn't eat or drink. He, so what he did was he fasted. Paul at least or Saul was at least smart enough to know I need to begin the fast to seek God to give me an answer to what's going on in my life at this moment. And it was it was uh, everything that that Paul knew to do in that moment because he was confused, he's blind and he not he doesn't know what's going on. So it was it was a moment where Saul was slowly starting to comprehend. I believe he was starting to look back and reflect at all the scriptures that spoke about a Messiah and starting to realize, could it be, could it be that in Isaiah and Zechariah, all these prophetic verses in chapter 9 of Isaiah that talk about unto us a son will be born and he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Is that Jesus? I mean, all these scriptures began to flood his mind. So I want to take you now to Acts chapter 9, verses 10 through 22. I want to read these verses to you. They're on your outline. But here's the important part of the rest of the story. Verse 10, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. And believe it or not, when I went to Israel in 2013, we actually went to the house of Ananias. It's still there in Joppa. And the Lord, Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. Verse 15. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up. And was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach, let me say that again, at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. Verse 21, all those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Woo. Everybody say, transformation. This is total and true transformation. I want to take you just through three points this afternoon. And the first one is Saul was blinded. Saul was blinded. And I, I believe that many people fail to enjoy the blessings of God or the purpose of God in their life they, because they misunderstand what their purpose is. In other words, they could be because of their preconceived ideas or what they've been taught, they're, they're doing this, they're walking this way and understanding the Word of God this certain way. And to the best of their knowledge, they're doing what they know is right. But they're missing the mark. And that's what Paul was doing. He was walking in the way that he knew. And he was doing the very best thing that he knew how until the Lord one day woke him up. Amen? Amen? And here's, here's the truth for us. We cannot become blind to the Word of God. We have to always, and one of the things I always love to say when we go to our Bible studies is when we pray, Lord, open our heart and open our mind to your Word. Because if you go in there with a closed mind and a closed heart, you're not going to receive anything. You must always be open to the Word of God. Because the Word of God is always revealing new things. Amen? Amen? He didn't stop revealing things back 2,000 years ago. He's still doing it today. And the problem here with Paul now is before his spiritual conversion, Paul had mistaken his opinions and all the teachings that he had for eternal truth. And that's why he opposed anybody that didn't believe what he believed. He was so firm that he would say, well, if you're not with me, you're against me. If, you're, if you don't believe what I tell you, then you're going to hell. That's a very close-minded individual. And that God had to wake him up one day. In fact, this is what I would tell you. Do not become so obsessed and think that what you believe is the only way and the right way to do it. We're always learning. I can guarantee you that there are things you do today that you've learned to do the last 20 years. I'm talking about everyday things, not just a skill, but how you process things. Maybe how you treat people. You've learned wisdom has been bestowed upon you. Grace has been bestowed upon you to be able to adapt and learn how life will go so much better if you do it God's way. Amen? And so... One of the things that we need to learn to do is to allow God to transform us into his likeness. That's why I've titled this, Continual Transformation, Growing in Christ's Likeness. It's a non-stop effort from all of us. The scripture says in Matthew 5 and verse 16, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We must always be aware that wherever you go, your light is shining, or it's not. Do you have a dead battery in your flashlight? Because a dead battery in a flashlight doesn't do you any good. Is the light of Christ shining through you, or is it not working? We must have the light of Christ shining through us, and it starts with the Word of God. The word of God, amen. The second thing was so so the first one was Saul was blinded. The second thing is Saul was confronted. This is where it gets real. Unfortunately for Saul, he needed a confrontation. How many like confrontation? Probably most people do not like confrontation. You like confrontation at your work? How many like confrontation at their no, nobody, everybody's shaking their head, like no, no, I don't like confrontation. How many like confrontation with their spouse, their significant other? No, that's a no-no as well. We don't like confrontation. We, we shy away from it. We'll do everything to get away from it. But sometimes how many know that there needs to be a confrontation at some point in your life? Sometimes with each other, with us. But here God on this day chose to confront Saul. You know, some people are so hard-headed. And Saul was one of those that he needed to be confronted. You know, there's nobody here in our church that's hard-headed, but sometimes people in other churches need to be hit up the side of the head with a two-by-four. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Or that might be your family member. Amen. I don't know, but sometimes people need to be hit upside the head with a two-by-four. At least that's what our thought is. And that's exactly what God did on this day he hit Saul with a two-by-four, spiritual two-by-four, upside the head, threw him off his horse, blinded him, spoke to him out of heaven. Now, most people, most of us, don't require such a dynamic experience. And hopefully, we don't ever have to have an experience like that where God gets a hold of your attention. Amen? Because... uh, all God wants to do is just get our attention so that he can transform us into that beautiful butterfly that he created you to be. Amen? So I know my, my story that I've shared with you, but it's not anything close to Saul, but I was in my mid-20s when God had to hit me in the head with a two-by-four. And maybe you have had an experience like that, but I had only been living for God for a few years. Now I'm... Recently divorced, and I walked away from God. I chose to just step away from God. And uh, every day that you wake up in the mirror and you walk away from God, you are reminded of where you at, where you are at spiritually. Nobody has to tell you. Um, it's been like six months since you went to church. Are you going to come to church with us? Today? You don't need to be reminded of that because every time you look in the mirror. God reminds you of that. Amen? Anybody who's been there knows what I'm talking about. And so I was backslidden. That's the spiritual term for walking away from God. I was no longer going to church. I wasn't praying. I wasn't reading the Word of God. In fact, I was doing quite the opposite, going back to what I used to do before. And then that's where I've told you, I, one day I found myself in a place physically, spiritually, and I said how in the world did I end up here? And I felt just like the prodigal son who was feeding the pigs, a Jewish man feeding the pigs for a living. The Jewish man, the prodigal son that had taken all his inheritance and squandered it, now he's feeding the pigs. And he felt baseless, useless. He was ready to come home at that moment. That's how I felt when When I had my two-by-four hit me, at that moment, God woke me up. It was all of a sudden that I realized, what in the world am I doing here? It was like I had been living a dream, and God just opened it up and showed me the veil of what my life was at and where I was at and where I should have been. And from that moment on, I began to go back to church, and I've never looked back. I said, Lord, I will never do this again, never. I repented, came back to church, and it was just... Uh, It was only a couple of years that I was backslidden like this, and it was shortly after that I met the beautiful love of my life, Anna, in church. I met her in church, amen? I met her in church. I didn't meet her at the nightclub. I just want to say that right now. I didn't meet her at downtown Joe's or some bar. Uh, I met her in the church. Now, this may not be your experience. You may not have had to go through something like that because most of us really, our sin... Is, is, uh, is laziness, it's, it's anger, it's jealousy, it's pettiness, it's uh, being prideful, being rebellious, being selfish, being stubborn. Those are the sins that most of us have to repent of. Did I hit a nerve there with anybody? Because all of, all of us go through those seasons where some of those things spring up at more, more times than, than others. And that's usually where we have to come to God, where God begins to transform us from those experiences. Just remember this. Not all people you meet in church are living right and have been transformed. I'm talking again about other churches, but not our church. But I believe that transformation has to take place in your life. You know, by by being transformed, you will begin to show the fruit of the Spirit. Not anger, not jealousy, not pride. Those are things that are not part or products, byproducts of a disciple of Christ. Byproducts of a disciple of Christ are love, peace, joy, kindness, goodness, self-control, and patience, and so forth. All the fruit of the Spirit. Amen? Now, listen to the words of Jesus in, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 12, and verse 30. This is why it's so important to be plugged into His Word. The Scripture, that one Scripture says, and this is Jesus speaking here. Whoever is not with me is against me. Let me ask you a question today. Are are you with Jesus today? Are you with Jesus? And only you can answer that. Only you can answer that. Just because God hasn't taken you through a Damascus Road experience like Saul, who then became Paul, don't think that you don't need transformation. We all need transformation I say it almost every week, we're a whip, a work in progress. God is not done with you. You have not arrived. You are not perfected yet. We're only going to get perfected when we get up yonder, amen? When we get up on the other side, that's when we will be perfected. Each of us are in constant need of the transforming power of the Holy Spirit of God because that's the only thing that can transform you and I. It's the Holy Spirit. You can make all the, all the rules or decide, make all the decisions in your life. Well, I'm going to do better. Well, I'm not going to do this. How many have ever done that? I'm not going to eat that chocolate cake uh, all by myself, you know. I, I'm not going to go to a buttercream bakery anymore and eat all dozen donuts. That's my weakness. But whatever it is, it doesn't matter what you say. We need the Holy Spirit's power to overcome. Amen? That's what gives you the strength. God didn't say, oh yeah, just, just make your best mind up and put your you know, foot forward and just charge through and hope for the best. No, he didn't say that. He said, he said he'll never leave us nor forsake us. He said he'll empower us. His Holy Spirit will be with us to face any challenge we go through. Amen? So, as I get ready to close here, I got one more point. The third one was Paul was continually transformed. That's my point in what I was just saying. Paul was continually transformed, and you and I must continually be transformed. The only way we're going to uh, be spiritually transformed is if we continually seek God's face through His Word, through prayer. It's not going to be done. If prayer is not in your life, if, if uh, reading the Word of God is not in your life, I love that this weekend my girls were in, at a conference in Sacramento at a, at a prayer women's conference, and they were just getting soaked up in that word. That was awesome. That's getting unplugged in there. Anna w- was at a prayer conference yesterday. I believe even Victor was there. Uh, I couldn't make it, but it was in downtown Vallejo at Revival Ministries, And they had a prayer conference there. And those are the types of things that help you to stay grounded, to help remind you of what the mission is, how with God's help and God's power, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Amen? So Paul understood this. In fact, listen to what it says in the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verse 12. This is Paul speaking. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Even Paul is declaring here, listen, I may be an apostle. I may have written 13 of the epistles, which he did, but he hadn't arrived. Even the greatest of the apostles stated that he had not arrived. How much more, if he's declaring that, do we need to press on towards that goal to strive for it? Amen? So the question is, how do we apply that in our lives? Well, how do we get there? What do we do? Well, one of the things that we do accidentally or maybe intentionally sometimes is God has, has a purpose for you. We all understand that. He has expectations for your life. Just as parents, we have expectations for our children Sometimes they hit them, sometimes they don't. That reminded me of a commercial there for a second, that, but, of a breakfast cereal commercial, but um, I got thrown off there. But don't fall short of God's highest purpose for your life because you have lowered your expectations. You may think as you get older, well, this is not going to happen. I'm 33 now. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm 60 now. Hey, listen, if God called you for a purpose and a specific assignment, God has not changed his mind. Don't lower your expectation for that. Amen? That, we, we need to apply that and say, Lord, you've called me to this. You're going to continue. I'm going to allow you to transform me day by day, day by day, so that I can fall and fit into the purpose that you've called me to do. Everybody say transformation. Because that's what this is. Transformation. Allow the Holy Spirit to continu- continually transform you from the inside out, not from the outside in. You can't clean the fish before you catch the fish. You got to catch the fish, and then later he cleans you up. Amen? He transforms you. Amen. And then the final scripture I have for you before we go into uh, communion at the end of this service, and it's not on your uh, outline. I don't even know if we have it up on the screen. Do we have 2 Corinthians? One of my favorite scriptures. You should have this underlined in your Bible if you don't because it's a reminder of who you are. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... Let me stop there. Anyone is you. Therefore, if Rick, therefore, if Raquel, therefore, if Victor is in Christ... The new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Did you catch that? The old is gone. The old sometimes wants to pop back up, though. How many know that? And we have to do this. It's like that game, that stomp 'em game at the arcade where all those little gophers pop up and you're boom, 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 boom. That's the old life that wants to pop back up, and you got to keep slamming it back down and say, No, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. I rebuke that. And you stomp it in Jesus' name. We are all new creations. God is continually transforming you. Every single one of us here, including my mom and dad at their age, are not where God wants to leave you at. He is still working on you. Amen? He's still working on each of us. Let's stand together as we um, transition. We're going to partake as a family uh, today. And you know what I was thinking was when families get together to eat a meal, they get together. So I want to invite you, come on on up up here to the front if you can. And we're all going to partake together. Come on up here. begin by getting that wafer out. We do this as our custom every month. First Sunday of every month, we partake in Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper. And I always want to give an opportunity before we partake of this, for those that may feel that they're not in the right place or worthy to receive this. Um, So what we do is we just say a prayer, and we just ask God to forgive us I know that none of us are perfect including Pastor Rick just ask my wife she'll be the first one to tell you then ask my daughters they'll be the second ones to tell you but we're not perfect and so because we're not we must ask God all the time Lord forgive me so let's do that right now Heavenly Father we just come before you into your presence right now and God we're reminded of your great love for us Lord how you accepted us as we as we were but you are in the process of transforming us, making us new continually every day so that the light of Christ would shine through us. And Lord, if there's anybody here that just not, they don't feel that that's them right now, I would just ask you, Lord, forgive them. And if that's you today, just just ask the Lord right now. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. Thank you for your blood brings forgiveness to me. I thank you for dying on the cross for me. And I receive that forgiveness today in Jesus' name. Amen. And because of that, we're able to partake of this. As I mentioned, the disciples did this with Jesus Christ the night before he was crucified. We do this as a family. I encourage you to do this at home as well. When you're sick at home, Take Holy Communion. Do this with your spouse. Do this with your family. And I promise you there's going to be something going on that God does amazing things in your life when you begin to do that. But this wafer that we're holding reminds us of the great sacrifice of what Jesus did on the cross. And Jesus, we thank you for that today. Lord, we can picture your body on that cross scarred, beaten, nailed, and all for us. You willingly went to the cross so that we wouldn't have to, that our sins would be forgiven. So Lord, we thank you for that today. We thank you for your mercy, your grace. We thank you for transformation in our lives. Go ahead, church, receive that today. you get your cup ready we're reminded of this grape juice is representative of the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross the Bible says without the shedding of blood there's no remission of sins in other words that our sins are not remitted, they're not forgiven and because Jesus went to the cross, our sins are forgiven, you don't have to live in condemnation which is another thing that the enemy likes to do The enemy likes to remind you of how unworthy you are of your past, and he wants to remind you because he knows his destination. He knows where he's going, and he wants to take visitors with him, but we can just throw this back at him and say, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your blood that gives us eternal life. We are saved because of what you did on the cross, no matter what the devil might say, no matter what. My neighbor might say, we are saved by your blood. Also, this blood, the Bible says, brings us healing. We can call upon you, Lord, for healing because of what you did on the cross. We called upon you for healing for Irene's nephew and for Gracie's mom. We pray for healing for them as well as everybody else in here who needs a touch in their body. For Elaine's stepson, we pray for complete healing. Father, from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. We pray for those that are hurting. Today, physical pain, emotional pain. We pray for those right now, God, that you would touch them. Because your blood declares that we are made whole as believers. We're now transformed because of your blood. And so we... Take this cup, Lord, and we raise it to you right now, and we give you thanks for it. And we receive that together in Jesus' name. Go ahead and partake. Lord, we thank you. We honor you. You are worthy, worthy of our praise, is the the last song that we sang declared you are worthy you are worthy Lord I pray continue to transform us from the inside out everyone here that we allow the Holy Spirit to speak every day that we allow the written word of God to speak to us every day that we allow the Holy Spirit as we're praying to speak to us every day one day at a time not to be overwhelmed on what you're doing in our lives not to be overwhelmed about what life is throwing at us but Lord let us be reminded every day that you are transforming us and in that process transforming our situation our difficulties that we're facing you're bringing about transformation so Lord we love you today and we give you thanks we give you praise Father and as always we close with this blessing if you would just lift your hands one more time The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace that passes all understanding. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen.